0: Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a podcast, a video game, a set of albums, or a sports documentary. My name's Cody Morin.
1: I'm Tim Bloom.
2: And I'm Cozy Bloom.
0: So, now, Tim, we've talked about this a little bit off the podcast, but and a little bit on the podcast, too, but you and I have been playing World of Warcraft for a while now, and That's we've correct. recently decided, kind of as a group, that we're taking a little hiatus. Mm-hmm uh and i think you for your reasons are because you are too busy with everything else and that was partially why i was also fine with it but i was trying to think of what to do with that time sure and i think what i want to do is dedicate one of those you know 2 to 3 hour blocks that we would normally have dedicated to playing world of warcraft to instead dedicate it to learning
1: Ooh. Um, I thought you were gonna say finishing some of the media that you never finished. For console. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> that's that's a ridiculous right. thing to even Outlandish.
0: kind of suggest. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, um, you know, for me, what it comes down to is through my work, there's there's a number of like technologies and things that I I like to think I'm like pretty good with, but there's also a bunch of things. Um, some of which you've, I'm sure have heard of having worked doing work for like the IT space, like Kubernetes and things like that, Mm -hmm. that it's like, I just don't really understand it very well. So it's like, if I can dedicate a block of time, you know, like three hours a week to like taking a course or working on my home lab and like building out a little Kubernetes cluster to figure out how it actually works so that when our other engineers talk to me about it, I know what the the words are that they're saying. Um, (laughs) I think that that will be much more beneficial for me than, you know, in some cases anyway, like sitting down and watching a YouTube video for three hours. Sure. Uh, And so I guess I'm kind of curious. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Alternate idea.
2: You could finish all the media you have said you are going to finish and then we can monetize the podcast and then you have a side hustle
1: wait how wait how do we wh- we've skipped steps how does cody finishing the media make us monetize? no we're hand
2: the waving that part i don't think that's important
1: <laughs> okay so this is the sort of like question mark profit meme yeah uh, cody finishes yep. the list question mark profit what yeah, about Cody exactly. learns Kubernetes? Question mark profit. Why couldn't that be? I don't know what Kubernetes are. Podcast? That doesn't
2: seem to help me. It's a sort of either, container so.
1: system to house the applications. <laughs> correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, pretty much. Oh, okay. That's exactly the extent that I know about Kubernetes. Is that sentence? Yep. See, I know okay, else. now
2: Cody, now you know what Kubernetes are. So you can do the uh, media <laughs> thing.
1: <laughs> now it, I need now, fodder for well, the middle segments. What will make? It. <laughs> What Cozy learned Kubernetes, money? and we get to talk about Kubernetes every middle segment. Ooh,
0: okay, uh, there you go. We flip this into an IT uh, <laughs> podcast. Where we only talk about IT topics. Did you guys hear Cozy that? That was the sound them of all of our
1: segment. listeners shutting the podcast off.
0: <laughs> Please come back. We're not doing that, I promise.
2: Okay, Cody, uh, so continue with your plan. Sure. That isn't as good uh, as my plan, but whatever.
0: <laughs> well, what I was going to say was... Um, Uh, If you guys had to dedicate, uh, and now you might already dedicate some time to this, uh, but if you had to dedicate like a two, three hour block every week to learning something, is there something you've kind of had like on the back burner or something you're already in the middle of potentially dedicating time to learning that you'd want to like continue with?
1: Um. Yeah, mm-hmm, I have two, I have two answers for this. So I can go first if you don't have one right off the top of
2: your head, cozy. Uh, I mean I do, but go ahead.
1: Well, you go first because I said if you don't have one off the top of your head. So if you have, one, oh my gosh, absolutely right, go so first.
2: The things I'm I'm often have like an art hobby that I'm trying to like get better at. So usually it's a lot of like tutorials and stuff. Right now I have a like sketching. I bought like a collection of like 20 classes on like sketching so i'm going through those like once a week i try to do one a week um one because i bought it and i notoriously will buy art classes and then never finish them so i'm (laughs) trying to like actually use the art classes i buy so and improve my sketching skills so that's twofold and i actually have been doing that um i also want to get i have a 3d printer um I never have ideas of what to do with 3D printer, but I recently had like a handful of ideas of what to do with that. So, but I want to learn Blender, which is a th- mm. 3D software. Um, that's like an open source 3D software. So usually I've used like SketchUp, but you have to pay for SketchUp, now, it, you or you can, can use the browser version, which is not great. Um, and missing a lot of the functionality when I could just learn Blender. Or I have also sort of learned Rhino, but which is another 3D one, but it, everyone's using Blender. I should learn Blender. So that I want to actually learn Blender. That's what I would dedicate, like, if I had, like, a bonus three hours, like, just to add it on to my week. I would probably commit it to that, at least for now.
0: Yeah, I feel like I' there's been a number of people who I've seen saying that they are, like, learning, like, basic 3D modeling stuff, and it's always Blender that they're using.
2: Well, because Blender's free and open source, so it's, yeah. like, you don't have to have a license for it. And it's probably going to stay free as opposed to like SketchUp started super easy. Like they had a lot of functionality in the free version and it wasn't that expensive. And then they just kept uh, paywalling more of it and making the free version worse. And so now it's kind of because you used to be able to like download it and there were just features you couldn't use. And now it's, yeah. you have to use it through a browser, which is like really annoying.
0: Oh, that's super lame. Because, yeah, I remember using it back when it was like a free desktop app. And yep. Yep. It worked for what I needed it for, but that's super lame. Uh, but I still also... use
2: it because it's more free than other softwares I could mm-hmm. potentially use. Uh, but yeah. and I already know it yeah. as opposed to Blender. That's how
0: they get you. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I was gonna say is, uh, as someone who has bought many Udemy classes and then never finished them, I uh, I understand your art class uh, problem.
2: I getting a bunch am of I'm a part of a uh, well. like. Yeah, yeah, I'm a part of an art discord group that I talk to people, other people who do art stuff. And I am not alone in the, we all <laughs> buy a lot of art classes and then never do them. So we have like accountability channels and that of like, okay, nice. who all bought this class and who all's is going to do it together? Because uh, if we're all going to put money into this, we're going to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not a bad way to do it.
2: Yeah.
1: That's the problem I've had when I've done little like learning things is that accountability piece of either I'm the only one and there's nothing, or there's like, uh, I did like a Coursera class once that was like 500 people, and I was like, I, I it's so many that I don't feel beholden to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, if that's yours, Cozy. Yeah, mine, I have two. Um, one of which we talked about recently when you visited San Francisco, Cody. Um, I've been I love soccer as discussed, and I've been interested in like soccer tactics and like soccer training and theory and things like that. And so if I wanted to learn something, I don't know exactly how I would go about doing that in a meaningful way. Like <laughs> I looked into getting like coaching badges, which is like the certification system for like soccer coaching, but it's so you know it's like soccer coaching starting at a youth level so it's like learning drills and learning like uh how to how to set up and organize a productive training session and that's not really what i'm interested in so much it's more the like creating formations and like scouting more so than like actually coaching soccer so if there was like a way that i could do that that's something i would be interested in
0: not uh, every coach in soccer is Ted Lasso just
1: jumping right in at the top level. <laughs> I would say no coaches in soccer are Ted Lasso because it's actually not legal. Um, uh, yes, in in real life, Ted Lasso, uh, Richmond FC, that was the team from Ted Lasso, right? I think so. Yes. Um, would have to pay a pretty sizable fine every single game Ted Lasso managed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, because he doesn't have his coaching badges. But anyway, um, so that that's one thing. The other one that I have actually done a little bit, which is the Coursera course I took, was like philosophy. I'm like interested in philosophy and sociology like obliquely. I know enough to like be slightly dangerous. I know like big philosophies and, like, systems. I understand what capitalism means more than most people uh, who (laughs) talk about it. I, like, terms, like, historic materialism, like, tickle my brain in a way that is interesting to me that other people shut their brain off. Uh, So, like, I would like to know more than just the Cliff Notes versions of those. And so I've taken, like, intro philosophy and sociology, classes and things like that. And if I had infinite time and infinite Adderall, uh to which I didn't need to take it just for work, I would uh I would think about doing something like that.
0: Nice. Uh that's probably of all of these, I will say that's probably the furthest from my interest level, but that (laughs) didn't come as a shock to anyone here, I think.
1: Soccer tactics are closer (laughs) than philosophy.
0: Uh, I would say yes. I Fascinating. Think it's- all right, we're closer to
1: football manager than I thought. <laughs> yeah, you're making we'll get, progress. We'll get
0: there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, all of this, I would say, has been some uh, examples of really good ways to spend our time. Uh, but however, I feel like a lot of my free time ends up with me just being unable to decide what to do. And I just, uh, pull out my phone and play games on my phone instead. Very And true. speaking of which... Tim, last week I pitched you on two mobile games, Slice and Dice and Tangle Tower, so I'd be curious to hear your reviews on both of them.
1: Yes, you did. Um, I'm going to start with the game that I did not play on mobile, uh, which is, of course, Slice and Dice. Um, As discussed, Slice and Dice is a game that originally came out on mobile, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh,
0: as far as I know, that's, I mean, that's the only place I had played it. I didn't even know it was on itch.io, so
1: I i know, know it, I which, knew it was know which chicken common. or egg came first. Sure. It might have been simultaneous, who knows. But it, at the very least, I played it on PC. It is a really, like, relatively simple premise. Uh, the premise is that you... There's like no lore of any kind, at least that I found. Uh there's no. Yeah, no. It's it's just sort of it's an arcade game, basically, where you control a party of five adventurers from is it's like a roughly 20 different classes per five. So there's like a a rogue type, there's like a defender type, there's like a barbarian, mm-hmm. uh like wizard, and like a healer, yeah, like cleric type. Uh, and then they, within each of those like archetypes, there are like 20 different classes or so each that you can like stumble upon and upgrade or side grade as the case may be. Um, as you move along a run, uh, and you go through these runs, you go through these like runs of 20 level dungeons, uh, where each character starts with a six sided die, uh, and on each face, there's like a different action, so like uh a rogue might have a number of faces or like the fighter might have like a number of faces with attacks of different values and then a number of faces that don't have anything or don't do anything for you and then like a shield face that can like shield incoming damage or something like that. Uh the enemies work exactly the same way. And so you, your party, well first the enemies roll their dice and pick figure out what their attacks are for the round and then target party members and then you roll your dice and react to that fundamentally and mm-hmm. either attack them and kill enemies or heal your people or shield your people or uh anywhere sort of in between this type of like strategy game I have gone back and forth on so there's a game called Into the Breach that people like loved from years ago That was that this sort of reminded me of where because it's it's rare that you find games like these where you have perfect information there's no so often like I pitched XCOM right and what you're doing in XCOM is you're taking chances you are like yes you don't there are there is like fog of war and you don't know what's going to happen. And like this game, you're playing probabilities sometimes to see what you roll, but you know exactly what the enemies will do. You know who they're gonna attack, you know exactly how much damage it's gonna do. It doesn't ever change, like it it's not ever gonna trick you. It's like a it's a math problem. It's it's more it's more like a puzzle than it is like a four mm-hmm. X strategy game. Uh, Into the Breach is was sort of similar where it's like a a mech game where like you it it had some like time lore associated with it where it's like you can see what the enemy aliens or mechs or whatever they were will do before they do it. And you have to you have to move your mechs into place to where it will counteract that. And this feels sort of vaguely similar to me. Into the breach didn't work for me at all because it often felt like there was one or two optimal solutions whereas slice and dice it felt like there were like a lot of strategies you could pick that were all dependent on both like what classes you happened to stumble upon as well as just like what you wanted to focus on and that degree of of flexibility alongside the like very specific telegraphed constraints uh, worked for me more than I thought it was going to uh, going into the game.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, every run that I've done in the game has usually ended pretty differently, kind of just depending on what what items I randomly happened upon and what classes I happened upon that run. Um, and it, I always had fun every run, like putting together... You know, every time you get to a new level where you get to upgrade your class, it gives you two class options that you can upgrade one of your characters. And so usually you can, like, try to pick whichever one is fitting the way that your run is shaping up to be better mm-hmm. than the other. And, um, yeah, I, I've i enjoyed that, that portion of the game for sure.
1: Yeah. Did you have, like, a favorite class that every time it came up you definitely picked it?
0: Um I had some I had some less favorite classes that I usually sure. avoided. Mm-hmm. Um usually any of the ones that had like the pain values on their dice. Oh yeah. I tended I think to I avoid on them at once, but um there were some uh that would have like a die face that would be like if you landed on it you just you'd get something big but you'd also die. Yeah, that I usually would always avoid those. Um, I love all of the cantrip mechanics. So there's a mechanic called cantrip where uh, if the die lands on that face when you roll, um, whatever action it is happens immediately. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not good. Uh, Yeah,
1: because normally what happens is like the die rolls and then you decide whether to like keep that roll or re-roll and you have a certain number of re-rolls. But like with cantrips, you get the effect and then you also can re-roll again if you want to. mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yes, that was my I love cantrips and I the like dancer class was always my favorite because the dancer class has both uh, cantrips that do damage and cantrips that give you more re-rolls. And so, like, there were... My favorite runs were the ones where I was, like, re-rolling over and over and over again. And just plinking away or getting exactly the thing I want every time. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think my favorite run was... uh, There was one... There was an item I had that um, made it so that one of my slots uh, would have the value equivalent to whatever the last... Ability I used was, or whatever the value of the last die I rolled was. Yeah. Uh, And then I had another ability on a different die that did, like, 10 damage. So I would just do the 10 damage, and then the character I had the item on would gain me 10 mana. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just, it was extremely overpowered for the whole run.
1: Yeah, I believe it.
0: Or uh, going for full like poison runs was one that I usually tried to go for if I could get the right pieces to come together. Because if you stack up a ton of poison, one of the, uh, rogue classes, that was my favorite venom, um, does bonus damage equal to the total poison on all characters. Mm -hmm. So you can just stack that up to like, once you get to the final boss and you're fighting like the dragon, that's got, you know, 30 health you might stack up 15, 20 poison on him, and then that one roll can do 20 damage.
1: Yeah. Pretty nuts. And I think that's the thing of this game that I appreciated, is I felt like there was a good balance between... I felt like the skill floor was relatively simple. It took me a game or two, we'll say maybe two or three games, to feel like I sort of grokked the mechanics generally and sort of got what each of the classes sort of were got what I liked and didn't like and could start to like plan for runs which is really not a lot of time. A run is 45 minutes probably and again you can stop and start you can put it down like it's not a it's not a you know it's a turn based game. Um, so, so not that much time until I could sort of figure it out but there is I mean you know I just said there were like a 20 classes between six base five base classes, so a hundred plus different classes, and there's a bunch of items, and there's a bunch of, there's so many different intertwining things that, like, the ceiling, I'm sure, is very high that I did not mm-hmm. get even sort of vaguely close to touching. Yeah.
0: Um. One of the other things I really appreciate about it is all the different game modes. I don't know if you tried any of the other ones. Besides, I didn't. Like, I classic. only tried the basic one. So um, as you play, you unlock more game modes. Um, So like in the base classic game, your party of five is one from each archetype. But like one of the game modes is custom party where you could just have whatever archetype you want in each of the five slots. So you could have a party of like five mages that all level up into their own classes and just see how your run goes doing that. There's another game mode called Generate, where all die faces, all heroes, everything is all randomly generated. Um, Mm. And so, like, all of those add a lot of variety and replayability to the game, which I think is another reason why it's one that I often reach for if I'm reaching for a mobile game to just, like, play for five minutes because yep. it doesn't it with all those different game modes and everything, i it hasn't gotten stale for me.
1: Sure. I think the biggest challenge i had in terms of the like staleness is just that like rogue lights are not my i like story. <laughs> I like like a uh, yeah. <laughs> a narrative uh and so without a uh without a not always like i play trading card games and like you know but even football manager that like by definition doesn't have a narrative the thing I like about it is like the narrative I tell myself of like this is the story <laughs> of my career not necessarily like i'm I'm not sitting here like scripting out fake conversations but like the arc of my career is interesting to me and when like the arc ends by definition after 20 runs and you start from scratch it it uh is harder for me to like connect long term with it uh like yeah like i just don't it's just, it's sort of similar to when we were talking about the like puzzle gaminess of like uh World of Warcraft when you do like dragon riding races and things like that oh, of, sure. like there's i mean that's not exactly a perfect comparison it's just really like roguelikes i don't have anything against them it's just not really like it doesn't tickle my brain and they're, like going for the perfect run or Etc. does not uh, motivate me so much. Even if like these mechanics were relatively interesting and and pretty easy for me to pick up, it's never going to be like my favorite thing. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And I think I think that's why this, like this game for me fills a very specific slot of like yeah, I have five ten minutes to do something on my phone, like while I'm waiting for something to happen, like sitting in the car waiting for. Clara to get out of school or something right. like that. And so, um, you know, it's it similar to that like slot where it's like, yeah, something we like that.
1: Marvel talked about Marble Snap before. Yeah.
0: Um, cause you know, I've tried other games. Like I used to be really into tower defenses. Um, yeah. and so one of the big, and, and I'm also have been into gotcha games in the past. And so there's a big one called arc Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, That is a gotcha tower defense game that anytime you look up, like, what's a good mobile tower defense game? It's one that pops up. And I've tried it a number of times, but, like, there's such a heavy focus on story. And I just, like, I don't care about the story. I just want to, like, hop on for ten minutes and do a map and then turn it off. Uh, And it's, like, all of the story stuff just gets in the way for me. Mm -hmm. it it, like in the use case I want it for. So like a game like this, where it doesn't have all of that and I can open it up and within five seconds, I'm back in my match continuing right where I left off. And then as soon as I need to turn it off, I can just do that. It like perfectly fills that slot for me, but I can, yeah, if you're, if you're playing it more as like a, I'm going to sit down for hours in a row and play this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, without any story to latch onto or any like uh anything to keep you strung along all, like long term besides just like unlocking new classes mm-hmm. i can i can understand how that would uh how i like even i would probably get get sick of it
1: Yeah, I do think that is where, like, not playing this on a phone is probably Mm -hmm. the most detrimental to my experience, because that's where the, like, I'm rarely at my PC trying to burn five minutes, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, right. So, like, I, I, yeah, and I I am curious, because my thought while I was playing it was, like, A, exactly what you just said, of, like, I could see this being a good, well... If I wasn't myself, and I had more self-control, because the problem is this. There were a number of times where I booted this game up with that intent of, like, I was between work tasks. You know, I had, I had 10 <laughs> minutes before the next, like, work meeting or whatever. And I was like, I'll just do, like, a couple levels. Um, it is hard for me to pull myself away from games like this. I'm the classic, like, Age of Empire, like, just one more turn at, like, three in the morning (laughs) person. Uh, And so... I get how this would be good for someone with a normal brain. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) However, I find it very difficult to, like, pull my focus away. Uh, That said... The thing I was thinking about while I was playing this on PC is like there's a lot. Have you played this on PC in addition to phone or just phone? I
0: haven't. I've only played it on the phone.
1: Okay. I feel like there's a shit ton of stuff going on in the UI. Like you've got five characters. You've got five die all rolling at once. You've got enemy die in the like intermittent between battle screens. You're looking at. Five different discrete die faces, plus items, plus like boons and stuff like that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know if I could like read or see all of this if it was not on this huge screen. <laughs> like I had to blow like it, it, uh, so. That's what I'm curious. I don't know if the interface is like meaningfully different on the phone or not. If it is just like a shrunk down version of the PC one, I'm like, I don't even know how I would play this game.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, because I, I, I haven't played it. Yeah, it's. I've never had any issues. Like, it feels perfectly fit for a phone to me. Yeah. Um, Like, there, there naturally has to be a lot to, like, fill in to give you all of that information, but, like, it feels very seamless on the phone to me. Yeah. Uh, to where, like, I've never noticed that as a detriment.
1: It's also possibly, like... I suspect there's got to be some UI changes because there is like when you go into the intermediate screen, like between battles, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? Are you are you like scrolling through die faces, or does it put them all on the screen at the same time?
0: They're all on the screen at the same time.
1: How do you see that? It's got to be so small.
0: (laughs) Well, what do you mean? Do you mean like when you're looking at your inventory and like yeah,
1: when you're looking at your inventory and you're moving items around and stuff? I mean, the thing is, is that like
0: time. the all of the die face images are so distinct that even sure. like being really small, the only thing that I think is hard to see uh, is like if you have an added effect because mm-hmm. of an item on a weapon. Like if you have uh, there's an effect called death wish that if it's uh, on one of the slots on your die if your character would die that turn, that die face does double of its normal value. And so, like, some of those effects can, like, be harder to see because they're a little bit smaller, just, like, really tiny in the corner of the die. But, um, you know, you're also generally holding the phone a little bit, like, closer to your face. So it's, it doesn't feel as small as it necessarily might be. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, I, like, Everything is so distinctive. like, this is a sword, this is a shield, this is a heart, this is a heart with a little mana symbol behind it that, like... Yeah. I can generally tell what everything is at a glance without having to, like, squint or anything.
1: See, maybe I'm just old and a baby, <laughs> because, I like, when I had it up even on my PC, I was like, these images are small, and I'm, like, trying to... <laughs> figure out what they are cuz it's all pixely, right? It's it's like a yeah. very pixelated art style. Um and so, I don't know. I was just I was just like I feel geriatric playing this game a little bit. But <laughs> that that's clearly a me problem. Um the only the only real like gripe I have with this game that is not just like a like my taste or my inability to see my computer screen is I wish there was a tutorial of any kind in this game. Like, fair the amount of... And there's something sort of novel about, like, you play the game by learning and you begin the game by beginning and whatever the other parts of the Game Changer intro are. Um, <laughs> I The amount of times I was just... I got, like, an item and I was like, I don't even have any clue what this does. And then I, like, took it and found out three levels later or whatever. I was like, I wish there was some sort of... I didn't know how to use spells for the first, like... Oh, sure. Half of the first run. Like, I was getting <laughs> these blue things, and I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing with these. Um, I don't... Like, is this helping me? Is this anything? Like, maybe I'm dumb, but I also think, like, it would not... This, is, this to me, felt like an effect of being, like, an itch game. No shade to itch games, but, like, it created a thing and just like put it out there and didn't do a whole lot of thinking about like user experience flow or et cetera. They thought about like how do we create the coolest gameplay loop? Um Yeah. They and I, created, really could have used a tutorial.
2: There was sort of a tutorial where like you could there was like tasks you were supposed to do, but it was like It didn't explain 90% of the mechanics of what was happening. Like, it didn't... All it said was, like, how to, like, use a dice. Like, that was the only thing it really explained, like, how to use your dice. But it didn't explain any of the mechanics of the thing. There is, like, a tutorial if you click in the middle, like, the little book in the middle... I had to read that to figure out what was going on. And then and I was am not reading fired. shit
1: in a mobile game. <laughs> you yeah, gotta like, be kidding me. I'm not reading a tutorial. Like, th- well, uh, th- yeah, let me, I mean, you like, me play three levels of a tutorial to just teach me how to right. heal, teach me what poison is. Like, I, well, I didn't teach fully me how understand the... how to read the health yeah. thing, like, read Same. what the damage was. Like, again, I figured it out, like, a run in, but I was like, it would have helped that first run feel less confusing and random if they just had spent. 20 minutes teaching me, like, how to read the UI.
2: Yeah. Well, the, like, tutorial, like, book is, like, it's short. It's not that long. And they could have done, just put that book on the screen one line at a time as you do a turn and, like, been like, okay, here's how the enemies work. Here's how your guys work. Here's how the dice work. And, like, it, that would have sufficed way better than me having to go find it in the menu. <laughs> like, I don't think it would have been that hard. I think it's all there. That's just a different way of interacting with it. I think you're right. I think it was confusing.
1: That again. I think it, took it me didn't like confuse three... me after my first two runs, but yeah. but it, sure. those first two runs were I was like, "Oh, this is really like am I going to get this at all?" after <laughs> like the first run and then by the end of the second run, I was like, "Oh, I get it." So like so like I figured it out. It was fine, but I was just like it, it really really could have used a little something there.
0: I do think that is yeah. a At least, if nothing else, one benefit of it being kind of like a a rogue light in that, like, you don't have all of the more complicated classes right away. And they just give you the simple stuff. Um, Because, like, one of the level one classes that you can unlock is called the Hoarder, where every one of his attacks has a different effect like one is engage one is pain one is rampage death wish heavy that like you wouldn't expect someone who's never played around before to understand what any of those keywords mean and to like try to learn them so you just gave them a character that just either does damage or does shield and that's it (laughs) and so like in that in that sense to me like it would maybe be better if they like explained any of it, but it almost feels like those first two runs are kind of like a tutorial mm-hmm. in, in the sense that like they prep you for the basics of the game that you kind of just have to learn on your own before they throw like a ton of keywords and more complicated characters at you.
1: Yeah, it definitely could be worse. And I agree. It it was kind of like a tutorial. Um, it was also though, kind of like a tutorial. Like I wish I do <laughs> only just kind of yeah a tutorial. Like yeah it, yeah again, it was enough that I like figured it out, and it didn't take that long. Again, we're talking about two-ish runs through the game, but like that was my that was my only real meaningful annoyance. Yeah. Um, I think that's it uh, for me on Slice and Dice. Cool. We can.
0: I don't know if you want to handle uh your yaw or nah now on Slice and Dice or just hey, wrap it are, at the end.
1: You're driving the ship this episode, so it's really up to you.
0: Let's let's just wrap Slice and Dice now. We don't have to try to get sure. people to remember it after we talk about Tangle Tower. So Tim, if you were to give Slice and Dice a yaw or a nah, what would you give it?
1: I would give Slice and Dice a yaw. Um again, not like not a game that feels like it was made for my unique sensibilities. <laughs> uh, but it felt really smart. Like it it feels really Again, that mix of being complicated and simple, like complicated enough to be interesting and simple enough as to not feel archaic or super frustrating past the first time or two of seeing the mechanics, um, felt like way better developed and like better balanced than I would have expected for like a, the type of game like this and at this scale. And like, again... Not the type of game I gravitate to. Am I going to, like, consistently... Am I going to buy an Android to play it like you mentioned people do? Definitely not. Am I going to, like, <laughs> yeah. play it again? Who knows? But, like, the time I had with it of going through... I don't know. I probably did, like, seven or eight runs. Uh, uh, probably less. Probably, like, five or six runs. I completed three or four of them, probably. Um, that... it. It was a good, enjoyable experience. Yeah,
0: well, if it if it ever sees an iOS release, again, developer said soon, but that was <laughs> yeah, over a it, year ago. Yeah, if it so comes out on iOS, I'll, I'll I, would, I would
1: buy it, and I would download it.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, it's just, it is difficult to find a good mobile game that you can play like that, that I think I mentioned last time, is fully playable offline, and is, like, super easy to just pick up and go and drop. At any point. Um, Mm -hmm. And it has no microtransactions. You buy it once and that's it. Like all of that combined is just not something you find super often in a mobile game that you actually want to play. Yeah. All right. But I think uh, we can move the discussion over to the other game I pitched you last time, which was Tangle Tower, a
1: much different mobile game. Yes. One of the most different types of mobile games that you could go to. (laughs) Um, Tangle Tower is a point-and-click murder mystery detective game uh, where you play from the perspective of Detective Grimoire and his partner Sally Spears um, as they have been summoned to the mysterious Tangle Tower, which is like a big sort of haunted mansion. It's not actually haunted, but like Haunted Mansion vibes. Um, home to the sort of dueling Pointer and Fellow families uh, to solve the murder of Freya Fellow, one of the younger members of the Fellow family who seems to have been stabbed to death by a painting that she was painting of her relative Flora. Um, And that is the game. You Basically, the the whole uh, extent of the game is you going from room to room clicking on like as again you, you never like see you don't have like a silhouette you are detective reamore and sally spears simultaneously as you move from room to room um and you click on items and look at them and sometimes solve puzzles like unlock things or open an egg or do little <laughs> sneaky like uh like classic puzzle stuff um or You click on people and ask them questions and you can either like uh, ask them to talk about other people or you can show them items and evidence that you've collected and ask them to like opine about them or whatever. And then once you have gotten sort of the magic item or the magic connection, uh, Detective Grimoire and Sally will be like, hmm, this person's story didn't line up and you can go like accuse them of something and kind of link It'll, like, prompt you to link dots in certain ways, and as you do this, you reveal the mystery of what happened to Flora Um, Immediately, the thing that hit me is the thing you mentioned when you pitched it, which is that this quality is much more like an indie PC or console game versus a mobile game. And by quality, I mean, like, the table stakes quality stuff, like how it runs and like the art, the 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 three things that I thought of most were the art, which is not like the art that I have seen in most other mobile games. It looks very like crafted and hand drawn. It looks like an indie game, basically. Mm-hmm. It looks like the water tastes like wine or it looks like... Norco or something like that like it's it is a very uh yeah it does it does not look like a mobile game if you showed it to me I would not assume it was available on mobile or yeah. if it was I would assume it was some like ported version
0: yeah and uh, I think it even sticks out um they have a couple earlier games um the in the like detective grimoire series they have like an old flash game from new grounds or something <laughs> from like l- late knots uh and then they had another one called secret of the swamp um that was their first kind of like more full-fledged game uh that came out in like 2014 uh, mm-hmm. And I think the art style in this game is, like, miles ahead of either of those. I think it looks so much more polished and professional.
1: Yeah, it looks good. It looks very professional. And it has a very... It reminded me... It's it's a little less distinctive. It reminded me of, like, a slightly more normal Super Giant game. Like, Super sure. Giant has, like, a such a distinctive art style. Um... But, like, a, a slightly more generic Supergiant look is not that far off from this.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the other piece of the voice acting, uh, they didn't use, like, big, profe- big name voice actors, but they used, like, voice actors who are, like, doing work in this game, who are, like, adding emotion and are, are acting, as opposed to usually you just have actors doing like line reads in a voice, which is like fundamentally different from acting. Uh, and I was like, this is good. This is like good voice acting, not for a mobile game, but this is like a good voice acting throughout. Uh, in a like in a way that was surprising to me. Like, I don't remember the last game that had as good a voice acting. It, it's like it's been a minute. Uh, and I felt like the the performances throughout were really strong.
0: Yeah, like every character is very different and I feel like you get like through the voices, you get a very distinctive like vibe and personality of the characters just through that. Um mm-hmm. that I think adds a lot to every character.
1: Totally. Uh the other piece of the music, the music is awesome throughout. Uh there's like a again there's different ambiance depending on what room you are in and depending on what you are doing music plays a a role in the plot i'm going to try to like stay away from really any plot details cuz i don't mm-hmm. think it's particularly germane to our discussion uh, yeah. and it's a murder mystery so anything that i really talk about <laughs> is going to be a spoiler of some kind yeah um but like I will say the music throughout is great there at some point you hear a song on the piano called to Freya uh, that is like legitimately awesome piano
2: mm-hmm. like not
1: awesome like it's technically really difficult but it's like very very aesthetic and very good in a way that I was like being moved by this piano yeah music it's like a very a nice game. piece yeah yeah and I was like this it was uh, surprising Um, so I, again, I don't really want to talk about the plot. I don't really want to talk about the characters because the characters, if you're doing a murder mystery, the characters are the plot. Um, (laughs) but I will say like, they're fun. They're all stereotypes, right? Of like, you've got your, uh, washed up explorer. You've got your like aloof professor. You've got your like nerdy science person who doesn't, can't interact with people. You've got the quiet gardener. Like... You've, you've got—they're all, like, stereotypes, but the dialogue itself, uh, both in the writing, but again, I think especially in the voice acting, is good enough that they're really all, like, charming and they're all fun to talk to. And in a game where, like, a decent amount of it is kind of just, like, clicking through item after item after item, getting a character's take on it— Um having the characters be fun to talk to is essential to whether this is a miserable or awesome experience. <laughs> and so uh, I was glad that they they were fun to talk to.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's not like they all just, you know, you ask them about a thing and they just answer it. Like, they all kind of have their own different ways that they answer your questions and mm-hmm. talk about the things that you're showing them that adds some variety to... to keep that from getting stale. Because, yeah, there are, you know... As you get later into it, there'll be people you haven't talked to yet, but you've talked to, like, seven people and have, Mm -hmm. like, 25 items. And so the next person you talk to, you're gonna go through a spiel with them, and then you're gonna just talk about every person and talk about every item, and so, like, that would feel more monotonous if... If there wasn't that variety between between characters. And I think the voice acting, like we mentioned, plays a big role in that too. Totally.
1: Um I Next note I had is controls are a little tough on the iPhone. So I played this on an iPhone Point and click, mostly fine. There were a number of times I like accidentally minimized the app or whatever, <laughs> and this is the this is just the foibles of like playing this as a mobile game. Like games, I don't like handheld games. We talked about this before. Like I don't prefer playing games in handheld mode. Yeah, and I still wound up leaving this game, being like. Gaming is just better on a PC or like better on a console <laughs> than it is uh, on my phone. Now, that said, it wasn't too like I got through the game quickly. Like it was not that particularly difficult, uh, but I've got fat fingers and I it, I uh there were times I was like getting annoyed and pressing the wrong thing or like being yeah. again accidentally minimizing my app or whatever.
0: Yeah, when I just replayed this, I played it on our iPad, and I feel like the extra, like, screen real estate for Mm. a point-and-click is probably really helpful.
1: Yeah, especially when you're, like, uh, trying to look at a room and, like, pick out clues and things like that. Um, Probably would be much easier with a bigger screen.
0: Probably. So if
1: I I was going to recommend this to somebody, I would say, like, if you want to play it on your phone, go ahead. Like, it was a fine experience for me, but... I think it would be better on a bigger screen, either an iPad or a TV or monitor. Yeah, of some like kind. a
0: PC or something that... Because, you know, that's... The the origins of, like, point-and-click games would be on, like, older PCs and stuff that, you know, you'd point and click. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, perfectly fitting on, like, a computer, too. Uh-huh.
1: Um, The thing that I was most surprised that I was okay with was the puzzles. Mm. Um. I only had to like look up. I only looked up the answer to one puzzle, and it was just because I, I like figured out what I was supposed to be doing, and I was like, now I got to a point where I need to like test a number of things, and I was just like, I can't be bothered to just like test it. Yeah. I've I figured out the, the, the thing, and now I need to just like test and whatever, and I was like, nah, I'm just gonna look that up. Um, but in general, as somebody who does not do puzzles, I found them to be, like, interesting enough that I could sort of noodle on them, and then I figured them out fairly quickly, and then I did them and moved on, which is mostly what I want from a puzzle. So for me, they were the right difficulty.
0: Yeah, there were some that I definitely had to, like, I kind of got the gist of what I had to do, and I might I might know what puzzle you're talking about, mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to, like fiddle with it until I got the right combination yeah Um, but yeah most of them yeah not overly difficult just just taking long enough that I'm not like annoyed by it but like you know some amount of puzzliness that I feel good about having finished it right
1: all right beyond the puzzles um I have two little gripes with the game um the first is that i wish it was a little less linear like there's a certain it's not exactly linear you can go to rooms in lots of different orders um but that that thing that we talked about of like clicking needing to like click through items until you find the one that like triggers detective um oh god i just blanked on his name Det- detective noir um, to, like, say, ooh, this person should ask this thing. There were a number of times where I was like, ah, this, I want to talk to this person about this. And I, it like, if this was a slightly higher budget game, uh, there would be a little more, like, text input. There would be a little more, like, I, I wish, I wish, there were, there were a number of times where I was like, I really want to ask this person about this thing. And then, you know, two hours later, I was able to... But I was like, I I already knew that, clue. like I already knew that yeah. thing, uh. And to that level, I think it it's not uh it falls a little short.
0: Yeah, definitely a number of those times, or like, um, just kind of like weird continuity things where like you'd ask a person about a piece that you already knew everything about, but your detective is talking to them as though they don't know it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's all stuff that you know in a big big budget game it's all kinds of things that they could probably work out in the logic but like um also more difficult probably in a uh fully voice acted game to then have to record all of those additional lines for all of those different cases yeah so, for sure you know can understand yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I get how it happens, especially of a game of this size, but that was my that was my only real like frustration while playing the game. Yeah. Um The other piece is again, without talking about the plot, I think the end sucks. <laughs> like I Yeah. I, I think the, that's it fair. sets up this sort of interesting story about like these two families that are have this sort of rivalry but are also kind of intertwined in different ways, and there's some weird stuff going on with the house. And, like, without spoilers, where it lands is just sort of like a uh, person is picked who did it, and it, it doesn't, it's just sort of like I, I don't I was just sort of left. At the end, just sort of being like, okay, I guess. Like, I didn't... I I wanted there to be a bigger payoff. And whether that means, like, the ending is totally different and is something bigger. Or whether there's just, like, more hinting and foreshadowing at what the mm-hmm. ending would be. So it feels like it comes le- less out of, like, left field. I don't know. But it felt a little, like phoned in or it felt a little like we're just gonna have a twist so that there's a twist instead of like saying anything interesting
0: yeah and i think that's been a pretty when i was reading some reviews and stuff it seemed like that was a common complaint is that like mm-hmm. a lot of the early stuff is really interesting and um and then the ending falls a little flat um, and
1: to be fair, I think that's true of, like, many murder mysteries, of, like, the most interesting part is when you are uncovering sort of the the first, second tier of clues. You have you have all the basic stuff, and now you start to unlock things is the best part, uh, and I think that's definitely true here.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah, I feel like in murder mysteries it can be difficult to nail that, like, you know, third act. Um and so you know this one is just i i like the story of it from mm-hmm. that perspective like i find it interesting but from a like puzzle solving mystery solving side of it um yeah definitely room for improvement there on like leading up to the ending
1: yeah, ultimately, like, I like the world a lot. I like the characters a lot. I like the mystery. This idea of, like, this uh-huh. person's been killed by their own painting as they paint it. Uh, and all all of that stuff, I think, is good. It's really just, like, how they wrap it up. And the, the answer to some of... The, I think the answer to, like, the logistics of how the murder happened are good. Yeah. But, like, th- all the stuff sort of surrounding it is just sort of, like... Left me sort of being like, I wanted a bigger, the the song to Freya and some of the emotional stuff throughout. I wanted like an emotional payoff of some kind, and I was left with the sort of like, okay, you found the murderer, and now life goes on. I guess, yeah, Uh, yeah, it it didn't quite it.
0: Yeah, and it's not like uh um you know you've been finding all these clues and everything the whole time, but the yeah it ends just kind of like a ten minutes of like here's what happened yes. and not and which like some of it you could have worked out in your head but as far as like who I guess I didn't really
1: uh, no I didn't either even I mean, on I,
0: even on a replay I I did not remember there's really the not ending. a
1: lot of foresha again we're spoiling a little kind of but like we're we're spoiling in that it's hard to spoil because there's not a lot of foreshadowing yeah there's like, one little thing, but otherwise, like, it's hard, it's pretty hard to, like, uh, yeah, to, it's it's pretty out of left field. Yep. Um, those are my big thoughts. Without, like, going deep on characters or deep on the plot or anything like that, I think those are my big Tangle Tower thoughts.
0: Yep, and I think that's, I think that's fair. Because, I mean, the game is also not very long. Um no. I'm guessing it took, it took me, you probably the, around... Long
1: to, yeah, the how long to beat was like five to six hours. I think it took me more like three to four. Like it, yep. it was not long, and I did everything there was to do. I think.
0: Yeah, I think I was right around four. Um, and I got you know all the, all the items, all the people, all the achievements, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. In that like four hour playthrough, yeah, it's it's pretty quick. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't I have really two have anything Tangled else. Either, Tower but, thoughts. Yeah, I was gonna say because, cause I know you played this before.
2: Yeah. Um. One. Well, this is just sort of a fun fact. Uh, they're coming out with a the team from Tangled Tower is coming out with a second game. That's it's a sequel, as in it's got still got Detective Grimoire and Sally solving a mystery, but it's not like at Tangled Tower called uh the Mermaid's Tongue. It's supposed mm-hmm. to come out in twenty twenty four. Uh. So that was recently announced. So that's interesting if you like tangled tower uh make sure to check that out um and then my other thing is that so i played this when it first came out in it was like one of the first games that came out with apple arcade yeah which i should have looked up the year apple arcade came out because i was forget it was like, like 2019 20, or something yeah i think 2019 sounds right um and like i feel like this was the promise of apple arcade of like these like high quality mobile games they were all included in your subscription there's no uh like gotcha free to play stuff in it and like i love like a point and click puzzler like i will play as many of them as uh the i can find um and i i just feel like this is where i fell off of apple arcade is they had about like five games that felt like this level of quality and uh (laughs) interesting storytelling and then 900 games that were like felt like a free-to-play game without the free-to-play elements and so it was like i i wish there was more of this on apple arcade uh but like developers just like aren't interested in like putting this on mobile um i played on ipad i played more games on ipad so like i think that helped too because it's a bigger screen and a little more uh engaging than maybe doing it on like a tiny phone screen but uh yeah so i think i like tango a lot um i i didn't replay it for this conversation but i watched like us let's play of it to try to remember some of the plots and stuff so i don't but like i think these types of puzzlers are really fun and it's like a really short little kind of like fun Uh, it's just fun to like tickle my brain in that puzzle space for a bit. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good game. Yeah. I will (laughs) definitely be checking out the mermaid's tongue when it comes out for sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention that one too. Um, I had tried doing, uh, watching a playthrough of it to be my recap, uh, since I didn't, I had played this on Apple arcade too, and I didn't want to go repurchase it to replay it. Um, I mean, it's only like five bucks, like whatever, but, um, I, Whatever playthrough I picked, I got so frustrated within like the first two minutes because I was like, "No, you're not clicking on the things that I would be clicking on." Uh, <laughs> then I was like, "Nope, I I have to do this myself. I'm gonna get so frustrated if I try to watch someone else do it." Yeah, yeah, um, that makes sense. But yeah, the other thing I was gonna mention, um, the uh, I didn't realize I knew that there was like a series of them before this. Before Tangle Tower, but I didn't know that they were, at least the one before this was actually related in a way. Um, and I'm, so I'm actually curious to go back. I'm probably going to pick up and go replay the uh, uh, Secret of the Swamp, the game that came before this one. Because um, it deals, so this Tangle Tower deals with three families the Fellows, the Pointers, and the Remingtons. Um and there's uh one of the people on the family tree is Richard Remington. Um and The Secret of the Swamp game deals with the murder of Richard Remington. Mm, interesting. Um, interesting. So I'm I'm interested to go check that out and see how that plays into the story here.
2: Okay, we'll add that to the list of things you're quote-unquote going to go back and play. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but if this is as short of a run time as, uh, sure. as this one, then that's mm-hmm. that's an easy fill-in.
1: Mm-hmm. Roughly the same length as uh, the last episode of um, Exandria Unlimited Calamity, and yet I had to pitch that for you to do, so I'll we'll see. That's <laughs> true, that's true. That's <laughs> fine. <funny.
0: laughs> well, uh, I think that's all the thoughts that I had on this game. So, Tim, if you were to give Tangle Tower a yaw yeah or a nah, what would you give it?
1: I would definitely give it a yaw. Yeah. It's super charming. The quality is super high. Again, the the dialogue and the voice acting is really, really good. And I am a sucker for a murder mystery. Uh, I, I low-key think how a murder mystery resolves is the least important part. The important mm. part is, like, are the people interesting to talk to? Are the clues interesting to find along the way? The resolution of a murder mystery, I think, is almost always disappointing. Only in, like, <laughs> the very best ones is it good. I think this is, like, a particularly, like, phoned-in ending. But, like, in general, everything else throughout... And, and again, the gameplay, pretty rudimentary. You're just clicking on things and t- asking people to talk about them. And then when there's a clue, someone tells you, Ooh, there's a clue. Talk about this. But, like, if you treat it like a visual novel, basically... And just play through; it's a it's a really enjoyable experience.
0: Yeah, I'm, I want to see yeah. how they handle like the ending of the Mermaid's Tongue when that comes out. If that's if it's similar, or if that's something that they've like taken the criticism on and try to do some additional work into improving. that'll, yeah. be, that'll be fun to see. But cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you liked both the games. They're I think they're both pretty good, and it it can be hard to find like high-quality mobile games, so I, I keep yeah. an eye out for them where I can, but not always easy. Yeah, both good options. All right, it's that time again. Cozy, we are at the middle segment, so I will toss it over to you to see what we have this episode.
2: Yeah, so I have a quandary for... I will also answer it, but for the two of you and myself, I guess. Uh Have you guys... I don't know how on TikTok you guys are. I know Tim's on TikTok. I'm um, on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so are you familiar with the uh, Roman Empire trend on TikTok?
1: I mean, I am, obviously. Yeah.
0: So you sent us this uh, a little pre-prompt earlier in the day, letting us know that it was going to be about this Roman Empire thing. Uh, yeah. I have seen a Reddit comment one time of someone saying, like, this is my Roman Empire.
2: Okay, so you're not (laughs) familiar with the TikTok trend. So basically Uh, (laughs) what happened, I will give you some background and our listeners who may not be familiar. Basically what happened was mostly uh, women started asking their boyfriends how often they thought about the Roman Empire. And it was, like, surprisingly often uh, Some of the
1: answers are, like, once a week or once a month. <laughs> or, like, or something a like a daily
2: as like, how that influenced other things. Or, like, there's lots of facets to the Roman Empire and that, like, people could be thinking about or, like, relating to their everyday life and stuff. But, like, the, the like, takeaway from this TikTok trend is, like, white men are thinking about the Roman Empire, like, an awful lot. And uh, no <laughs> one really realized that was happening. Um, so that is funny to me a little bit but i also think it's just kind of like relatable of like uh i feel like everyone has like a niche interest of like something random that they like think about more often than is normal or uh maybe expected to be thinking about so i think it's just sort of a fun question of like what is your roman empire and what are you thinking about uh maybe more often than the average person slash uh people might expect
0: uh, I start, start, cuz but... I, I didn't have a very good answer for this. I was chatting about sure. it with Kayla. I think
2: it's kind of hard, but yeah. And it's like
0: uh... I don't know. I feel like there I get into like moods where I obsess uh-huh. over something for a little for like a burst of like a month. Uh you know, this whole I mentioned in the intro this whole learning thing and like me doing my home lab. And so like I'll spend a lot of my day thinking about, like, when I get time, here are the things I'm going to do with my home lab. And, like, (laughs) mapping it out in my head while I'm doing other stuff. But, like, I don't, I can't think of, unless we go back to, like, World of Warcraft, if only because I've just played it forever. That is, that's, like, Mm -hmm. a thing that is recurring throughout my life frequently that is, like, ah, can't possibly forget about um, you know, the Battle of the Bulge, or something like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> first first war battle that popped into my head, so Incredible. you know
2: <laughs> a classic,
0: yeah,
1: of course, a classic uh, poor- poor- poor-
2: <laughs> that was a uh, joke,
1: sure um yeah i think I think that makes sense. I have a few options, um. Mm-hmm. One is Timothy Chalamet's pre-fame internet presence. Um <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, you all may or may not know, was um he's been described as like the one straight uh white boy theater kid who like hooked up with all of the girls in high school. Uh, That's right, yeah. Yep. He <laughs> there are so many videos of him in high school of like talent shows, like rapping. There's like a very famous a uh, talent show video of Timothy Chalamet from high school rapping a Nicki Minaj song, um, and so there's that as well as a performance he did like off Broadway in a play that also like right out of high school. I think while he was in college at like NYU or wherever he went, uh, that is like legitimately really good. That is like this dude is legitimately an incredible actor of like doing powerful, moving stage acting. And you're like, this guy is one year removed from badly rapping Nicki Minaj on a (laughs) high school auditorium and is only three years away from dating a Jenner. Like, I don't that that, it's hard for me to like forget that. And that will just sort of like pop into my mind and I will rewatch Timothy Chalamet rapping Nicki Minaj from time to time. Um, Sure. So that's one. Uh, two and maybe the most predictable one is Outer Wilds of, like, yeah. occasionally mm-hmm. I will just, like, start daydreaming about Outer Wilds for no reason. Sometimes make myself emotional thinking about Outer Wilds, uh, with no trigger. That that feels like the most obvious answer.
0: But uh, That did pop up a couple times I was searching for, trying to figure out what this whole trend was. And I did sure, sure. see like at least a couple people mention outer wilds and I was like, oh yeah that's that's a good one yeah
1: that's that's definitely one of them that's that's probably the the most common real one for me of like I should not still be thinking about this video game from 2019 <laughs> as often mm-hmm. as I am um I think the last one is like the downfall of the Marvel cinematic universe mm. like I. Am Tim fascinated. talks to me
2: about this so often. I
1: do. I talk about it all the time because <laughs> anytime like, we
2: talk about a TV show, the downfall of the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe comes up.
1: <laughs> it's just so it's fascinating from a like production perspective to me. Of like, and I haven't seen most of the new Marvel stuff, but that's that is my point. That's what's fascinating to me is like I was a person who was like seeing. I watched all the ad on TV shows. I watched all of the stuff. I watched every single movie, usually very shortly after it came out, always in theaters. And I just, like, fell off the MCU. Mm -hmm. And it seems like I was joined in falling off by about half of their viewer base. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's so... I think there are so many... We don't, like... I don't want to go on a rant about the MCU right now. But it's... Because I don't really know. Like, I think there's... I have theories. But, like... There's so many things between just, like, some of the movies have been bad to, like, some of them don't have characters people like to just, like, has the culture just sort of moved past this? Like, are people burnt out on these movies? I think it's sort of all of the above. But every time a movie comes out and it gets panned, it's – I, like, cannot stop wondering, like, is is it bad or is it we don't like these types of movies anymore? And like,
2: yeah, it's like the culture is kind of over the formula a little. And
1: again, I think it's both. I think I think both the newer movies probably are worse and more formulaic, and also people just don't give these movies the benefit of the doubt they used to give them. But like Mm -hmm. every single new, again, I haven't, I don't watch these anymore, and I really don't have a, I don't hate them. It's not like I, it's not like I started watching them. They started getting bad, and I was like, I'm done with this. It's like they came out with the last Avengers movie. And I was kind of like, all right, I think I'm done. Like, I just don't... I think I'm done. Everyone's
2: burnt out on Marvel. Yeah. I was
1: I was just like, I got what I wanted from this, and I don't yeah. need any more from this. And, like, I, I, I to a certain extent, I was like, I kind of feel like I aged out of this a little. Not that, like, it's image. You know, I watch Star Wars shit. I'm not trying to, like, shit on Marvel. But, like, I was like, this was a thing I was interested in in high school and college, and now I'm 30, and now I'm... have paying attention to other things. I don't know. It's But but it's also like, that didn't happen to me with Star Wars. I'm still interested in Star Wars. So what is different about how Disney has treated Star Wars versus how Disney has treated Marvel? And like that, it's that like from a business, what movies mm-hmm. are we making? How are we promoting it? What are the tie-in pieces that like, you know, that drive the cultural conversation different around like Star Wars or other big properties versus marvel that i that is uh i'm constantly thinking about
0: yeah cuz like i think um for for us i think it's been burnout because i mean i was still excited at the end of you know the thanos arc to see where they yep. would go from there and so we kept like watching the movies and stuff and then they started doing all the different disney plus shows and mm-hmm. it's just like there were just so many of them we watched the first 3 they put out i think 2 of them i've pitched you for the podcast
2: 2 yeah. of those mm-hmm. first
0: 3 and then past those th- 3 we haven't watched a single one of the shows still haven't watched the second season of loki haven't seen the newest movie that came out i think the marvels maybe i think um, so but like, like that
1: movie came and these movies like come in like even initially When those first couple movies, like the Eternals came out, they came out and people were like, this was not very good. But it still like drove a big wave of conversation. I felt like the Marvels came and went and didn't do anything. And like no one talked about it or saw it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how this was like the thing in culture just like a couple years ago. And it feels... Like, I feel like Game of Thrones is bigger today culturally still <laughs> with House of the Dragon than, like, Marvel is now. And that's great. If you would have told me that was true after the last season of Game of Thrones, I would have <laughs> not believed you. Like, that would be – I don't necessarily mean in revenue, but I mean in terms of, like, influence and how it drives culture. I think that's that's why – like, they, they took such a huge L from such a position of strength, <laughs> and it's fast. And it it's just so interesting to me. Yeah.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Okay, so is that all of your potential options to I mean, I could Roman go Empire? forever.
1: There's so many like you know me. I'll go on a rant about anything, but I sure. I uh those are the 3 that I thought
2: of. Okay. Um I think for me sort of why it prompted me to make this the middle segment, um I think maybe climbing documentaries are my Roman Empire. Yeah. <laughs> I watch an absurd amount of climbing documentaries, rock climbing to be clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're interesting. I don't know what it is about them. Um, I So the most like famous ones are Free Solo. Um, and then probably the Dawn Wall, which are both on like Netflix. They're pretty easy for people to find. And uh, Alex Honnold's Free Solo was like super famous. Um I recently discovered that um, the Red Bull TV website has the entire uh, it's called Real Rock series, which is (laughs) R-E-E-L rock, Uh, like a TV film pun on there, uh, which is just like a series of 20 minute rock climbing documentaries. Uh, So I have been watching those uh, since I found that out Uh, every i don't know at least a couple a week uh because i don't know why it just like it's watching people rock climb is mesmerizing uh the way they like documentary in this is also fascinating to me Uh, because it's always there's like i'm seeing the formula now but it's always uh one specific climber who is like the one of the best rock climbers of his time uh telling you why the place they are going is, like, the next frontier of rock climbing, and, like, there's about 20 next frontiers of rock climbing, in case you were wondering. Every documentary is about a new next frontier of (laughs) rock climbing. Uh, And then it's, like, someone trying to achieve this, like, no one's ever done this rock climbing in this specific way, in this specific spot, in this specific, uh, or, like, this is the youngest person to ever do this, or this is the first woman to ever do this, or this is the, uh whatever because like that's how rock climbing is evolving because like a lot of it is like like the climbs that people know have been done a million times so like the only thing to do now is to like do things that are harder or more original or in places people have never been so uh anyway i just find it endlessly fascinating uh the characters i'm like learning who these like people are in this community who like the big climbers are and it's just fascinating to me I've got really into climbing in the Olympics anyway. So, yes, rock rock climbing is my Roman empire, I guess.
0: Have you gone out and gone rock climbing, Cozy?
2: Um <laughs> 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 It's sort of complicated. I like rock climbing. Uh I've always liked climbing. I but it's like kind of not it's a little hard to like do as like a normal person. So, I yeah. used to make my mom take me um so when before Dick's Sporting Goods was Dick's, it was Galleons in um, Minnesota oh, yeah. had a free rock climbing wall. And so my mom would do this thing with me when we were kids that every like three, like she would take turns with me and my brothers taking us on like a date night where we got to pick the activity. And I always picked to go to the free rock climbing wall <laughs> <laughs> and I would climb the same rock climbing wall and I loved it. Um, So, but like I, you know, I got to do that a few times. It was not like all the time. Uh, I also, like, I've climbed on, like, a real rock one time. We went in Colorado and did, like, a rock climbing tour. And so in, like, 2019-ish, I decided I was going to get into rock climbing. I bought a pass to a bouldering gym. I went twice. I fell from the top of the wall and got a concussion.
0: Oh, (laughs) yeah, It's been very
2: hard to make myself rock climb since that. (laughs)
0: very fair
2: i want to get back into it i just like can't do bouldering because i'm scared i'm gonna fall again and having a concussion was not fun and then yeah so that was sort of a sticking point but i'm now i'm watching these climbing documentaries i've been like looking up like climbing classes i'm like i'm gonna find a way back to climbing i think i just need to do it with like ropes and that gets infinitely harder because then you need someone else to go with you Versus bouldering, which has no rope, so you can go by yourself.
0: Well, you've got Tim. Tim can go with you and climb with you. All right, uh, Tim. Tim
2: He's not interested in rock climbing. <laughs> yeah, pass. Uh, Tim's uh, sort of afraid of heights. Uh, it's not, maybe not his a big heights activity. guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, see, mine isn't heights. Mine is uh, me afraid of embarrassing myself on my very low upper body strength. So. There's that
1: too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> sure, but like, you'll. I'm also weak, but, like, I'll never get better if I don't do it, and it's fun, and it's a good exercise, and it's an exercise I actually enjoy doing, so, like, I every part of me is, you like, think it's I yes. should <laughs> get in, or I should, like, be, get rock climbing into my routine as, like, my form of exercise, and then I don't do it because of the, I don't have someone to go with me, to, no. like, belay me. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, so one that's one of my Roman empires. I think my other one is um the Chernobyl mini series <laughs> <course>. on HBO.
0: <laughs> it has to be a mini mini series, so
2: obviously a mini series had to sneak in here. Um, the Chernobyl miniseries which is a docu drama about the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, is fascinating. I think it applies to so many things that I could explain, but I. I think I just need to pitch it to you guys at some point so we can talk about it on the podcast or co-opt it as a middle segment or something because I think you need to watch it in order to, like, fully explain why this comes up in my thinking all the time. But, like, there's just a lot of, like, the dynamics of how that specific disaster happened that, like, are captured in this docudrama. Like, obviously, it's, like, a... It's a fiction... It's, like, a... It's based on a true story, right? So, like, not everything that happens in it happened in real life, but there is actually a lot of documentation about Chernobyl. So, like, a lot of it is based in, like, reality. Uh, And they were trying to be very true to the, like, what actually happened and stuff. Also, like, watching it prompted me to, like, go down a whole uh, rabbit hole of, like, other media, like, actual books written about it and stuff. So, anyway, I know what's, like, sort of, like, real and what they, like, made up for the show. Um, but, like both how it happened, like what were the drivers in like making this specific uh disaster happen and the like reaction to it and like how they dealt with the like fallout from the disaster are all fascinating. and I think really like illustrative of how like of like social dynamics and how like like progress and innovation and uh overconfidence and lack of like understanding of uh like, safety and, like, thinking that you're safe when, like, again, like, clearly you are not necessarily, and, like, uh it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me. So, yes, that's my other one.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's something that's been... It's always been very vaguely on my radar. I have... Like, I've watched an actual documentary about Chernobyl, but I've never watched the miniseries. But I hear... I always hear very, very good things about it. So
1: mostly from cozy.
0: <laughs> cozy is a big chunk of that, yes, uh, <laughs> but not the not the only voice I've heard uh, proclaiming the wonders of the Chernobyl miniseries. So,
2: yeah. Well, my voice apparently doesn't uh, convince any of the people on this podcast to actually watch it because I've only oh been talking about it for four <laughs> years or something. Oh uh,
0: maybe maybe we'll have to have a, a cozy pitch episode one of these days and then Tim and I both have to do something. Yeah,
2: perhaps
1: yeah. maybe it'll just be the Chernobyl documentary twice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can pick you some climbing documentaries too.
1: Okay, we'll see.
2: Um, well, that was all. I just was curious what your Roman Empire was, and uh, yeah, it's interesting to see what different people are uh, thinking about on a weird, we really often uh, consistency.
0: Yeah, and as someone who doesn't use TikTok, it's always it's always nice to get these glimpses <laughs> into uh, what the latest, hottest, definitely not from a while ago TikTok trends are.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> definitely. <laughs>
0: All right, Tim, now it's time to toss it over to you. What do you have to pitch for me this episode?
1: Yes, Cody, I often pitch you dark, deep, and dramatic. The triple D uh, (laughs) sort of trifecta of pain in media that I enjoy often. However, I contain multitudes and can also like things that are light and dumb and sort of floofy. Okay, and so I figured I would mix it up. I feel like I've been hitting you with a lot of intense things recently. Um, and so I figured uh, I figured let's let's uh, let's lighten it up a little bit with something a little more straightforward and something that I think I very strongly suspect will be up your alley. okay. Um, and you may have already seen. Um, Cody, have you seen the Netflix uh, sort of action comedy movie bullet train? Uh,
0: I have not. I do believe I have, um, I've seen trailers for it and I was aware of it when it came out. And it okay. was like one of those things where it's was like, it, I feel like I would like this, but then just never got around to watching
1: Nice. So this is a recommendation from my father. Shout out to dad if you're listening to the podcast. He uh, recommended this to me a while ago. I'm going to be honest, I forgot about it. And then when we were in town for the holidays, we watched like the first half of Bullet Train had to stop. Uh, I finished it back at home and uh, he was right. It is an enjoyable movie. It's not the kind of movie I normally would watch but I enjoyed it and I think you're going to like it. Um, The Cliff Notes on Bullet Train is it came out just, like, uh, two years ago. It's It feels like a relic of, like, Netflix past. There was a time where Netflix felt like every week they were just, like, giving famous actors and directors a bucket of money to do, like, weird shit. And that has mostly gone by the wayside. And now they're just, like, giving people no money to do shit. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, but Bullet Train is an a- American action comedy film directed by David Leitch, who is the co-director uh, behind John Wick, the original John Wick. Oh, okay. And was like a producer on a lot of John Wicks. And then since then, he has he like so he was a co-director. He wasn't credited with directing John Wick, but he was like a the partner of the guy who was directing it. And he has now switched to be focused on like action comedies. Uh most relevantly, he directed Hobbs and Shaw, Deadpool 2, Violent Night, which was that Christmas oh, sure. violent movie, and then Bullet Train. So that's that is uh that is who we're dealing with here. Okay. The plot, in so much as there is one, is Brad Pitt basically what this movie is. Is what if we took every trope of hitmen in movies? So you've got your tired veteran who's on one last job. You've got your angry father who's out for revenge for someone who hurt their child. You've got your like uh South American uh like drug kingpin hitman who's who's also out for revenge you've got your like innocent uh girl who seems nice who secretly is an assassin you 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 have like (laughs) mashed all of these tropes together yeah you've got your two sort of zany british assassin comedy duo um they just bash all of these tropes together and put them on a bullet train in japan and that is what they do. And they do assassin stuff. And it is absurd. <laughs> um, it like rides the line between being like a pair. It's not a parody, because it's not like making fun of these tropes exactly. It's more like it feels to me like an homage to like lighthearted action movies, which is my preference. I would prefer if I'm watching an action movie. Don't pretend like this is deep. Just let me shut my brain off. <laughs> and this this does not demand anything other than shutting your brain off. Uh, okay. And so, to that extent, I think it works really well. It's also got a great cast. Brad Pitt does a really good job as sort of the main character. Joey King is this movie is great. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who you probably know as the MCU, um, uh, Quicksilver. Oh, sure. And. Brian Tyree Henry, who's been in a ton of things and is awesome in every single one of them um are they're the British duo um, okay. Sandra Bullock uh bad Bunny the rapper plays a Mexican <laughs> assassin uh just a lot of the cast is good like it's it's just good it's again. I think our episode talking about it's gonna be relatively short. I don't think there's a lot of deep thoughts you're gonna have. I certainly didn't have a lot of deep thoughts coming <laughs> out of this movie, but I think it was an enjoyable watch and I think you will enjoy watching it.
0: I mean yeah, it's it sounds like the kind of movie that would be right up our alley, uh, over mm-hmm. here in the Morin household. So uh I yeah. I feel like chances are it's it'll be it'll be a fun watch if nothing else, so
1: I hope so. I I suspect it will be. It was a fun watch for me and I don't normally like these movies so yeah. I, I think you'll you'll get a kick out of it at the very least. Cool.
0: Well, I'm excited to uh give it a watch and report back next next time we chat. Nice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hard Sell. Remember to drop a rating and a review wherever you find your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Hard Show, where we will announce that we are going live on Twitch, uh, where we Tim will still continue to stream with Kyle playing Baldur's Gate 3 on Saturdays at noon Pacific, and Cozy will continue her streams of KOTOR 2 on Fridays at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can also send us emails at hardcellshow at gmail.com if you have pitches for us that you want us to uh, take a look at and maybe watch or play at some point. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flupity flop.
1: Catch you on the flippity flop.